We on the other side are saying we have nothing to hide. Yens would love to see the test. Let's do further testing with new DNA technology, yet they refuse to do it. If there's a way to legitimately get results from 1985 and that particular horrific night in 1985, I think you've got to take those steps forward. He's always said that was what his goal was, was to be pardoned, you know, and the only way he gets pardoned is you got to identify somebody else. We spent a year creating petitions for new DNA testing on crime scene evidence, and it convinced Wes Nance, the Bedford County Commonwealth's attorney, to sign them. In the fall of 2021, we learned that journalists can't request forensic testing on crime scene evidence. But our attorney, Bruce, told us Jens could make the request himself, and he could use our petitions, substituting his own name. The last time we'd spoken to Jens was early in the summer of 2020, when we told him the DNA we collected from the drifters didn't match. It's, it's really interesting to me that 35 years later, there's still new information coming out. You know, that's incredible to me. That, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, I encourage you to keep going if you can. He continued to send us emails and possible leads to investigate and asked for updates on our investigation all summer. When Jens was released on parole, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam had denied his request for a pardon. Jens hoped an international docuseries in the works for a major streaming service would clear his name. On an emotional and existential level, I need this Netflix documentary to give me what Northam didn't, he wrote to us in April. He wanted us and our investigation to be featured in the series and to help make the case for his innocence. And he said a starring role could help our careers. The world will come knocking at your door, he wrote. But in the fall, when we asked to interview him about the theories laid out in the Wright Report and discrepancies between what he told us about the crime in his first interview and what we'd read in the transcripts of his confessions, he suddenly shut us out. It wasn't just that he stopped speaking to us. He also instructed members of his team they should no longer trust us or give us interviews. Since Jens wasn't answering our questions, we hoped new DNA testing on crime scene evidence could help us get to the truth in the case. Testing is something Chip Harding and others on Jens' team have been demanding for years. Now, what's frustrating in this day and age is I've talked to a lab down in Florida that's perfected a vacuuming system to extract DNA, which has never been extracted before. And they feel like if they could get a hold of the packaging material, that they could extract more DNA out of it, possibly, and get better profiles. But the state of Bedford's been unwilling to even discuss it. They may have been unwilling to discuss it with Chip and Richard, but in the investigative files acquired through the FOIA request, we found evidence that Bedford prosecutor Wes Nance and lead investigator Ricky Gardner had seriously discussed new DNA testing. In an email exchange with the head of the state forensic lab and the lead parole investigator reviewing Yen's case in 2017, Ricky and Wes discussed possible items for new DNA testing and whether it could yield any useful information. We don't find the response in the files but West told us the lab said the evidence was too degraded. Five years later, DNA technology is improved. The lab that we were working with had that microvacuum, and the Bedford Commonwealth attorney, Wes Nance, had discussed it with us and the lab. After that conversation, he'd signed our petitions, requesting DNA testing on crime scene evidence. 
with Wes's signature showing the court he didn't object, it seemed like we could finally give Jens and his team what they've been asking for. We hadn't spoken to Jens in more than a year, but we knew he'd published a book in Germany about his life after prison and had multiple television projects in the works. On German TV, he talked about his ongoing plight to clear his name and how his book was part of that effort. Über die verlorene Zeit. Ja. Jetzt nach 20 Monaten sind Scham, Trauer und Wut immer noch Teil ihres Lebens. We sent him an email telling him we wanted to share an update on our work with him, but didn't get a response. The German filmmakers working on a docu-series about his case for a major streaming service told us he wasn't open to speaking with us. We tried again in a second email a few days later. We understand you may not want to conduct a full interview, so we'd like to propose an interview limited to the new information we've developed over the past months and some possible next steps that could help shed light on alternate suspects, we wrote. This time, he did respond. I have no interest in corresponding or speaking with you or in any new information you claim to have developed, he wrote. I will not conduct any kind of interview with you on Monday or any other time. However, I am willing to participate in an audio-only telephone conference call on Monday under certain conditions. These conditions included the presence of at least one of the filmmakers. Another condition was that the call would not be recorded. And there was one other thing. I will not speak. I will listen to what you have to say. And if I have a question, I will write it out, he told us. We did not agree to those terms, and neither did the filmmakers, but we compromised. Only the filmmakers could record a Zoom call between Courtney, Rachel, and Jens. We're summarizing the call based on a transcript provided by the filmmakers and our own notes. We hadn't seen Jens in years, and when the Zoom window opened, Courtney and Rachel saw him seated in a darkened room. He spoke a terse greeting, and Courtney and Rachel quickly launched into the news. They created a path for new DNA testing, using a lab recommended by Yen's own forensic expert. Yen's response? Okay, good. They told him West Nance had signed the petitions, but journalists can't request forensic testing to the courts. So they offered to send Yen's the petitions to use as a framework to make the request for DNA testing himself. Yen's said he was interested. Well, if there's evidence that's not contaminated, that could be tested. And that's obviously a good thing, he said. Contamination was West Nance's main concern as well. And Courtney and Rachel explained that the lab director in Oklahoma believed new technology, including a microvacuum, could help develop DNA profiles that couldn't have been developed even five years ago. They told him they could help determine whose blood was at the scene. Jens asked about testing a hair that had been found in the bathroom at the Haysom house, but didn't ask about identifying who left the typo blood at the scene. I have my opinions about that, he said, without elaborating. Courtney and Rachel ended the call, promising to send the petitions. Yen said he'd have his lawyers review them. A few days later, he emailed to confirm he'd received the petitions and said he would review the documents and let us know how he planned to proceed. While we continued to wait for Yen's decision about requesting DNA testing, we reached out to talk about the information with Chip Harding and Richard Hudson, the two retired law enforcement officers who are among Yen's most vocal supporters. Both men have repeatedly called for DNA testing on crime scene evidence. They met with West Nance a few years ago, and they told him they believed they had an unsolved homicide. They offered to help Bedford find the real killers. Wes had turned down their offer. Now we had Wes's signature on our petitions, and we wanted to hear their thoughts on the possibility of new DNA testing. Have you talked to Jens or heard anything about what we've been up to for the last couple of years? No. Okay. <laughs> I have talked to him. 
You didn't tell me what you were up to. We have, you know, been silent, haven't released any episodes in the past year because we were working on a um, process through which we could get access to the evidence and send it to an independent lab to have the testing done that we thought had the best chance, as we've all talked about, um, including many of the items that we had discussed. And so we actually got Wes Nance on board. Um, We had a court filing with his signature um, giving the go-ahead. And our beauty over ugliness. <laughs> so we spent a year. I mean, it was an incredibly elaborate, lengthy process. It was phone calls. It was talking about what the purpose of our mission was. We obviously we don't have we don't have a stake in this. We just thought getting answers would be the best thing for the case and for the truth. Um, unfortunately, uh, we got to the point of filing and learned that journalists do not have standing to make requests for forensic testing in the case. But all was not lost because Jens does, or may. We told Chip and Richard we had shared the news with Jens a week earlier and shared our petitions with him. So what we did um, last week was we sent all of the documents that we've spent a year developing, all the work, the process that included a forensic expert that would come in to pack the evidence that was in storage. We located every piece of evidence. It has not been destroyed. We worked with the Department of Forensic Science. We worked with the clerk's office to establish where these things were. And so we had two separate petitions, one for the DFS, one for the court. Uh, We got Wes. He would not, you know, he signed off and said he didn't object to the motion. Uh, We don't know that he will take that same position if Jens files it, but we have given Jens all the work that we've done and said, here's a path. We told them we were planning to use the lab that Dr. McClintock had recommended, DNA Solutions. Is that the Florida place that does the extraction? What's the one in Florida that did the... Had a special extraction. They have that, that too. They have the, the special tiny... Right, yeah, that, that's, that's, man, that's just... That could be a home run. I mean, literally. I think that was part of what convinced Wes, probably, because he got on a call with the lab director at the DNA Solutions and told him about that little thing. Yeah, little vacuum. <laughs> that little yeah. vacuum. And, um, yeah, for the tubes that you had mentioned. Um, right, the samples that Mary yeah. Jane Burton had. And yeah. the envelopes. They yeah. said they could extract yes. the DNA from the residue yeah. so and the envelopes exactly from the what, story. And so we came up with an entire protocol. Was it stored in a non-air-conditioned uh, trailer? It, a lot of it has been degraded. not properly stored. Right. And, um, and things like vials of blood, I think, may no longer be able to provide Sure you can. Sure you can. Chip and Richard had reviewed the same forensic documents Jens gave us. They had previously identified about 200 items of evidence they thought could be tested for DNA. With Dr. Anstead's help, we had developed a smaller list of 25 items of evidence that were stored in Bedford County. And with the Virginia Department of Science in Richmond, we gave Richard and Chip copies of the petitions. So here's a petition for DFS, and those are the eight items that are stored there now. Well, that's the stuff that was there before, right? Yeah. Right. What we, well. And then this is the the, stuff, this is the petition for all the stuff that's still in Bedford. So they had that countertop then, huh? Mm -hmm. That's a huge one, that stream of blood. Yeah, yeah, huge. That's huge. The other thing to me that's huge 
is the cigarette butt. That's on the list. Right. But also the hair that was in the sink in that right. downstairs bedroom. The one that was the one that was the short hair that had the root on it. That always looked to me like it should have been. That's on our list. I would really like to. Yeah, mm-hmm. that. I mean, I think that for sure. Yeah, there's. I mean, we we there were beer cans in the bedroom trash can that our lab, the lab director was really excited about because he said Slava. you could get like on the inside, it wouldn't be as contaminated. Yeah. So yeah, I mean we're. Yeds would have to file it. All the legwork is done. That's a lot of work. Chip and Richard still firmly believe that two unidentified men left blood at the crime scene. But the other theory that West Nance believes, and the Wright report lays out, is that all the blood came from Derek Hasem. Establishing a full DNA profile for Derek Hasem would answer the question once and for all. Richard and Chip understood the significance of getting the victim's DNA profiles. Here's a question that's huge in my mind. Is there a way to establish a profile for Derek Hasem and Nancy Hasem? We hope. We hope. That is what we right, need to do. Right. So well if you do list. if you do that, but it's gonna blow it up because it's gonna show that there were two male offenders bleeding in that crime scene, which has been our position from the beginning when we saw it, back to and it can't be insuring. So who is it? Yeah, that would answer that for sure, it right? Wouldn't have, but it doesn't answer the question unless they're in the – if they're – I mean – Well, they had blood vials and then like rectal and mouth swabs taken, and mm. those are stored still in Bedford. So that's okay. on our I'm list to bitch. send Yeah. so that they could do DNA yeah, profiles. Yeah, it, it, You know, it was so – what, what are you reacting to? Well, I mean, that they've had – because it's even been they wouldn't articles in the they Richmond Dispatch it. about – Fiero was saying, you know, Fiero, you might be able to get it from from the um, when they did their work on the bodies and all. It was all the speculation about how can we get? Do we need to exhume the body? If they're sitting on the stuff right there, what the what was the big deal? And is that mm-hmm. evidence in Bedford or is it in Richmond? The vials, the samples from the victims are in Bedford. Hmm. Well, if they're proper properly sealed there's a very good chance that they're they can still do a profile it seemed like we were all on the same page that dna testing was the best chance for real answers in the case we told them we'd shared the petitions with yens a week earlier and weren't sure what he planned to do so we gave it to yens he has obviously is not our biggest fan He's your big. He is your biggest fan when he thinks you're on his side, but the minute he thinks you're not, then you know he you're the devil incarnate. I would think. Yeah, I would think he'd sign off on it. Um, the only communications I've had back and forth with him is that he was really busy promoting his book and touring and doing this and doing that. Yens have been claiming innocence for more than thirty years, and DNA testing could finally prove his claims. He had our petitions for more than a week when we met with Chip and Richard, but he hadn't told them. We asked Chip and Richard why he might be hesitant to move forward with the request for testing. If Jens is in uh, Germany, unless he feels like he's got someone from a legal standpoint looking at over here, I could see, and not trusting Bedford, he might think, you know, are they going to put do something to plant something or do something? I mean, he, I'm just... Second guessing how I think if, they were, if that was going to happen, I'd want to know if they had done it for the trial. I'd want to know there's some oversight from my side that I'm confident what's being done is all legit and 
Well, I mean, I think and it could I be. think that the way we set it up, it's an independent lab that was recommended by Dr. McClintock. Right, but and the stuff that yeah, gets, had, what comes the stuff out that gets to the land, land nobody goes. But in we there. had an independent person that was going to package it all sealed. It wouldn't be unsealed until it got to the lab in Oklahoma. So it was going to stay. But sealed. Bedford could put something in there to be sealed up. If but, that, if but then you wouldn't you know if the seal was broken. Oh yeah, you. Well, it would so, be in there before your expert went to seal it up. Well, it's sealed right now. Well, if they add, yeah, I mean, well, we we only want he would only be packing up the items that we know exist. I guess they could like forge something, but like her her clothing wouldn't seal. When we saw that's it. not on our list though, because oh, it's so okay. contaminated. Yeah, because people were. Yeah, I'm just saying from his standpoint. If you wonder why he wouldn't, I mean, because other than that, I would think he would be anxious to have more work done. Yeah. Even though Jens is a free man in Germany, he's still a convicted killer. Chip and Richard knew DNA testing was the best chance to clear his name. That's pretty exciting. Wow. I th- I'm, I'm ecstatic. What I would like to happen was for them to have to reopen the case. You know? You mean to show it's unknown yeah, in the ground? We have not. And then it gives him another leg for his pardon that he's looking for, which I don't think is going to happen unless... If something comes from this, though, it could. Right? Yeah. He's always said that was what his goal was was to be pardoned, you know. And the only way he gets pardoned is you got to identify somebody else. We left that interview with Chip and Richard, certain we'd hear something. It was mid-December when we heard from Jens. He emailed to let us know he had read our petitions and sent them to his American attorneys. They told me they will look at them after the holidays, I assume, he wrote. The holidays passed, and we still hadn't heard from Jens or his attorneys about whether they planned to make a request for DNA testing. We followed up with another email in late January 2022. As we discussed when we spoke with you before Thanksgiving, we think this is a real opportunity to get some answers about who left blood at the crime scene, we wrote. We know how important it is to you to clear your name. He responded a few days later, telling us he'd had long calls with his attorney, Steve Rosenfield, and another attorney, and that they were planning to review the documents we'd sent carefully. I can assure you all three of us take this proposal very seriously, he said. Jens had been active on Instagram, posting about his new apartment, trips he'd taken, and meals he was enjoying. We wondered if he was just ready to put his quest to clear his name behind him and move on with his life. But then he posted a long video in German and English, railing against the American justice system for failing to give him a pardon. Today is January the 15th, 2022, the final day in office of Governor Ralph Northam, um, who let me out of prison a little over two years ago on parole. And uh, I'm still very grateful to him for that, because no other governor of Virginia had the guts to let me go. And of course, Governor Northam let me go on parole, not with a pardon. Um, because that was the only way that was politically possible. And that was hard for me because I didn't commit this crime. He goes on to describe a Virginia state legislator who did receive a pardon and is still in office. So this is a prime example of how the so-called justice system in the United States, and especially in Virginia, is intimately connected and interwoven with politics. 
It's basically all a political game. And it's why I never really had the chance to prove my innocence. We thought we had handed him a chance to prove his innocence. Yen's own team had been calling for DNA testing on crime scene evidence for years in an effort to clear his name and identify the real killers. We had West Nance's signature, a lab to do the testing and the petitions ready to file if Yen substituted his own name for ours. The work was done. As we continued to wait for Yen's to make a decision, we reached out to the other person who could have legal standing to make the request for DNA testing. Elizabeth Hasem had been living quietly in Canada, turning down all media requests. The only glimpses we had into her new life were through her cousin and confidant, Phyllis Workman, and some recent journals she shared. In her journals, Elizabeth describes the simple pleasures of life after decades behind bars, things like loading a dishwasher, ironing clothes, and spending time face-to-face with family. She also makes what could be a cryptic reference to Jens, mentioning the villain in Harry Potter. It's daunting enough, and thrilling too, please don't get me wrong. I'm excited about moving forward and creating my own life in space without Voldemort's dark magic swirling forces against me. We wanted to offer Elizabeth the same opportunity to file the petitions, so we asked Phyllis to pass them along. She agreed, but said she doubted Elizabeth would have any interest. She's washed her hands of the whole thing. She, you know, she has, um, you know, she's doing very well and uh, it's well established where she is. And she just wants to put all of that behind her. We told Phyllis we had already sent the petitions to Jens to request DNA testing, but so far he hadn't taken any action. And my only thought would be that he knows he's guilty and he's afraid of new information maybe um, akin further, giving further proof to his guilt. One day later, Phyllis forwarded Elizabeth's response. Yes, please tell them I would definitely approve further testing. Test away. In a follow-up email, we clarified that we couldn't make the DNA testing request ourselves. Elizabeth would have to file the petitions on her own. Phyllis emailed West Nance to ask how a request for DNA testing could be made without revealing Elizabeth's personal information. Phyllis forwarded us West's lengthy response. He explained Elizabeth could file through an attorney to keep her address out of the records, but he also explained his ongoing concerns about testing, including contamination of evidence. He said he didn't believe it would be conclusive, and that's why he wouldn't file them himself. That was enough to dissuade Elizabeth. For me, it is done, she wrote in an email that Phyllis shared with us. Three years after our investigation began, We've eliminated the three alternate suspects using DNA and found a path forward for new DNA testing on evidence. Elizabeth has declined to request new testing, and after sitting on the petitions for six months, Jens has taken no action. We emailed Jens and his attorney Steve Rosenfield and Steve Northup in mid-April, asking about the petitions. Neither attorney agreed to speak with us, and we couldn't get a clear answer about whether they'd even seen the documents. Rosenfield seemed unfamiliar with the petitions, and Northup said they discussed it, but suggested it was up to Bedford to do the testing. We do not understand why you are involved and why you are trying to involve us in your efforts, he wrote. Jens never responded. Jens and his team insist he's innocent, but won't pursue testing to prove it. Bedford County authorities insist they got it right the first time, and they don't need to do new testing. Can there ever be unanimous certainty in a case like this? West Nance doesn't think so. If you're going to believe a liar, 
And if you're going to believe a killer, then no. Any circumstantial case is going to have circumstances that point towards guilt, but also could be interpreted as pointing towards innocence or perhaps less culpability. Um, that's the nature of having different opinions with one another. But that's also why the burden for prosecutors is so overwhelming, beyond a reasonable doubt. It's why you have 12 people listening to the evidence as opposed to just one citizen listening to it. Um, a lot of people put a lot of heart, sweat, and tears to bring this case to trial and to bring Jan Suring to justice. And we proved it to the 12 people that mattered beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, I don't think there's much reasonable doubt in Bedford County. But the men and women that brought them to justice immediately had new dockets to work, immediately had new crimes to work. Jan Soaring had all the time in the world to twist these circumstances and to put honorable people's ethics into question. Some people listen to him. I don't. We've studied trial transcripts letters between Jens and Elizabeth, and investigative files going back 35 years. One of Jens' letters from June of 1986 stands out, but it's not to Elizabeth. It's to the British detective who took Jens' confessions and who wrote a nearly 500-page report on the case decades later. He asks the detective to return his and Elizabeth's personal items, including the travel diary. P.S. One last suggestion request. Is there any way of getting a photocopy of the little black diary for me? Since the diary covers the events long after America, and since I've admitted all the further crimes committed in Europe, I cannot see what harm could be done by letting me use it to divert myself, and perhaps millions of viewers or readers. Since I seem to be going back to America, I might as well think in commercial terms. This story must be worth something. 36 years later, with a new book on German shelves and multiple film projects in production, Jens is still telling his story. His latest speaking engagements shared on his Instagram story are a series of wine and crime nights where he and his story take center stage. Er sagte, die Fähigkeit, das Wort Nein zu sagen, ist der erste Schritt in die Freiheit. <lacht> Hi, this is Courtney Stewart. If you're enjoying this podcast and appreciate our work, please consider supporting us on Patreon. This type of investigative journalism is labor-intensive and expensive. Rachel and I are working on a new case for season two, and we can't do it without your help. Check out our Patreon page, Small Town, Big Crime. Hi, this is Rachel Ryan. When Courtney and I first started our podcast, we found the perfect place to work and network, Common House in Charlottesville. Now people in cities across the country and even around the world can benefit from a Common House membership. With other locations in Richmond and Chattanooga, Tennessee, 
thousands of creative types, entrepreneurs, and other professionals like you are finding a social club that helps them make new connections, both personal and professional. Each location offers gorgeous, comfortable spaces for conversation, quiet spots for working, and tons of planned activities that spark conversation and networking. A Common House membership also comes with global benefits. You'll get access to dozens of clubs around the world, from San Francisco to London to Auckland to Singapore. Don't just take our word for it. Come check out Common House yourself. And if you spot us there, say hello.